Historically and today, our country has been overrun by those with money and power, giving little voice to the everyday American. We're here to change that. Welcome to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. Each week, our program addresses the problems we are facing in our country, as well as thought-provoking and effective libertarian solutions. This could change the way you see opportunities in your life and your children's lives as well. Now, here is Judge Jim Gray. Hello and welcome wherever you are in our great country or around the world. This is Judge Jim Gray on the Voice America Variety Channel, and I'm always just excited to be able to bring with you another edition of All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. Uh, I hope that many of you have spent time with us together, and this isn't necessarily your first edition, but you'll see that by spending about an hour with us each Friday morning at 10 o'clock Eastern Time or 7 o'clock Pacific, we will take some of the issues of our day, many of which are really not honestly discussed by our so-called leaders and and really get to an in-depth analysis showing how if we apply libertarian values and approaches such that people everywhere will all rise together and frequently at the expense of kind of vested interest and power established people. Uh, Today we're going to discuss fake news and the future of journalism. You know, We all understand that forever, ever since there have been publications, media, etc., people have their own vision, their own spin on things, and they have their own interpretations. All you have to do is watch uh, Fox News and CNN uh, on the same day watching the same story. They get the same names, but that's pretty much where they part company and, and the rest. We also know that if for, for interminable times, uh, uh, William Randolph Hearst or, or others would, if they don't like a particular candidate or official, uh, they will publish a picture of them as they're about to take a big bite out of a sandwich. But if they do like them, they'll be smiling and kissing babies. So we've always had that. But now, as we've seen, it's gone to a new level where they're actually is being broadcast information that simply is not true. And we know we can Photoshop pictures and we can, we can put in anyone's voice to uh, have them say pretty much anything we want by computers. So what do we do about that? How, how do we grapple with that? How do we know if the fundamental raw information we're receiving is true, kind of true, interpreted true or simply not true at all. And and it's just a hard thing to grapple with. But today we have someone that's one of the best grapplists that I think I can come up with. His name is Rick Reef, uh, R-E-I-F-F. And this man goes way back in journalism. Uh, He actually was the editor-at-large of the Orange County Business Journal for a long time, was raised in Chicago, got his bachelor's degree in journalism at Northwestern University, and then uh, actually joined, as I understand it, the Akron Beacon Journal in 1975. And I tell you, talk about qualifications. In 1986, Rick Reef was the lead reporter for the newspaper reporting there was a battle between Goodyear Tire on the one hand and a Jimmy Goldsmith, who was trying as a corporate raider to, in effect, take it over, and Rick Reef won a Pulitzer Prize out of Akron, Ohio, in 1987 for his reporting on that battle. Uh, he also was then at the American City Business Journal, a business's first, and the Westchester 
uh, Business Journal, 1990 then, he came out to Orange County, California to become the editor of the Orange County Business Journal. Uh, one of his real attributes is that he's married to Mary Ann, who is a wonderful lady, very successful business lady herself. And by the way, Rick is also, I do not acknowledge, a good golfer and a good friend. Uh, he was then the commentator host on something called Inside OC or Inside Orange County, which was a PBS TV show. And that became, he was so successful that morphed into SoCal Insider, so we got into the Los Angeles, Southern California area. So, Rick, thank you for being with us. Welcome to All Rise, and uh, please tell us a little bit more about yourself, just so we uh, yes, see well, who Jim, Rick th- really th- is. Thank you, you, uh, Jim. It is a pleasure. Uh, you have, uh, uh, as you well know, you have, you have been my go-to guy on libertarian matters uh, on, on my television shows, and uh, when it comes to uh, le- drug legalization and uh, uh, many issues related to uh, that, you know, uh, have a libertarian perspective, you have been there for me. So it's a pleasure to be returning the favor here today uh, on on your show. Uh, you read my intro pretty much as I wrote it for you, <laughs> but um, I, I would like to clarify: the Pulitzer Prize went to the Akron Beacon Journal, so uh, my name is not engraved on it. I was the lead reporter and I'm very very proud of that uh but it was uh, the honor went to the uh went to the newspaper itself and uh, many other reporters uh and editors were involved in that effort um uh, Rick it went and, to you uh, from my standpoint so my that bubble is still not burst <laughs> Well, that and 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 also, um, uh, you left out two publications which should be mentioned. Uh, uh, one uh, in in between uh, 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 arriving in Orange County and working at the uh, uh, with American City Business Journals, I spent three years at Forbes magazine uh, polishing my uh, business skills. So that was uh, that was uh, uh, a a heady time for me. And uh, uh, in and in addition, my first gig. I out of school was at a little daily newspaper where I probably learned more journalism in the year I spent there than I did four years at Northwestern, and that was the Norwalk Reflector, who had a great editor who should be the, we're going to be getting into the responsibility of newspapers, and this guy, uh, Jack Brown, may he rest in peace, was a uh, solid citizen in this little town of Norwalk, Ohio, 14,000 people with a daily newspaper. You don't hear about that much anymore. They probably had a penetration of 120%. There were probably more people that got two papers than didn't get a paper at all in that town. And uh, he, was, uh, he, he taught me all the things that you don't learn in journalism school. And it was a great year. And then I went to Akron and, you know, things happened. Happen from there. Uh, so, so anyway, I guess the one thing I think your readers might be interested. Uh, uh, one of the things that gets me is the unwillingness of reporters to acknowledge their biases. And so many reporters don't want to tell anybody, uh, are they Republican, Democrat, how they voted. Uh, and I can understand the desire. You're trying to uh, de-emphasize that. Uh, and if you're a true professional journalist, that shouldn't uh, uh, overtly impact how you cover the news. But we're all creatures of our backgrounds and of our views. And so I've always been pretty uh, out front, uh, you know, describing myself. I'm uh, probably, uh, you know, I'm, I, I 
lean libertarian, I lean conservative, and uh, that was really a result of being a journalist. Uh, when I got out of school uh, in the 70s, like most uh, folks then, and probably even today, certainly, uh, I was, uh, you know, I had been turned into a liberal. And uh, when Ronald Reagan was elected president, I was an urban reporter, and the weeping and gnashing of teeth that this was going to be the end of the world, that the cities uh, and uh, society was going to decline, uh, and, you know, Reagan was going to do these crazy things like shrink the size of government, you know, and all this and that. And it didn't happen. Things got better. And uh, and then I uh, made a switch. Uh, uh, I was assigned on the business, and I suddenly saw this whole world where you know eighty five percent of the economy was uh, was was not determined by government. You know, and that I mean, in other words, government maybe controlled fifteen percent of the jobs, uh, the wealth, but eighty five percent of the world was people, entrepreneurs with ideas, making money. So it it uh, it caused a shift in my thinking, and uh, and so that I've been, uh, as I said, leaning libertarian, leading conservative ever since. Well, you mentioned lots of things, Rick, and the responsibility of newspapers is is huge, and we'll we'll get into that as our hour progresses. But I was published recently in the Orange County Register on a, a letter to the editor saying they were, they were saying how can we get reduce the number of these terrorist attacks, these these random shootings, etc. And one thing I suggested, and I'd be interested in your thoughts and how we could get it done, is not to publish the names or publish the pictures of these people. You know, we can call them terrorists, shooters, losers, whatever you want to. You can describe where they come from and, and their political views or whatever if you want, but don't glorify them because I'm convinced that at least some of them do this for their moment of fame. How, how do we get that done? because I'm a libertarian. I don't believe in censorship of that kind, but it's a question of responsibility. How could that be pursued, or should it be? Uh, I, I hesitate on that one because as a journalist and as a someone who uh, has libertarian views, I uh, am very hesitant to uh, try to put controls. It may sound like a good idea, but um, uh, and this is something I think we may get into the gatekeeper role of, uh, of journalists. Um, I don't think that uh, it should be up to uh, you, you know uh, the the newspaper uh, the reporter the media to determine uh, you know what we're going to print and not print uh, uh, you know, uh, within broad boundaries and I, I don't think I think you can downplay uh, or not yeah, I, I think you can. Um, not glorify a, uh, uh, a terrorist or a mass shooter uh, and still publish his or her name. Uh, I don't, uh, in other words, I don't think there should be hard rules like we're not going to publish a name. In some ways, first of all, the name's going to get out now <laughs> in, in social media, and I think it almost puts a taboo on things when you, when you start to, you can't use, uh, you can't say this, you can't go there, you, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I, but, I, I, but I do think there, there is a way uh, uh, to, um, to not glorify, uh, to, to not, um, uh, you know, glorify these uh, these folks, and 
I, I think the media, in, I, in other words, I think the media can use a little more restraint in how it reports on things, but I don't think there should be outright bans. I think people want to know. People have a need to know. You publish someone's name and maybe someone in the public knew this person or, you know, could contribute something to an understanding of what went on. So I'm not in favor of these, these, uh, these blackouts, and I kind of find it a little disingenuous when these networks will say, well, we're not going to publish the name of this person, but good God, they're giving the thing 24-hour, uh, uh, you know, coverage. In other words, they're they're willing they're they're very willing to um, see their uh, to uh, use the event uh, uh, to report on an event which is helping their ratings and at the same time uh, claiming that they're uh, you know holier than thou. You're, you're not telling me there's hypocrisy in this world, are you, Rick Reef? No, no, I would no, I would that's dare good. not suggest that. That, that's good. Now, I'm going to learn from you because you are a veteran broadcaster, a veteran journalist, and I'm fairly new at this uh, hosting a show. How would you prepare for one of your shows, Rick Reef? Because you had OC, Inside OC, and, and then the uh, uh, OC, SoCal Insider. Uh, SoCal, ten, ten SoCal Insider, Inside OC, and Studio SoCal, all, all three names and all shows that focused on uh, either Orange County and or Los Angeles. Um, and, uh, well, you know, as, uh, oh, by the way, just, just one other thing. I am still editor at large of the Orange County Business Journal. So while I am, I'm being slowly put out the pasture, I'm not totally in the pasture yet. So I'm still involved with the Orange County Business Journal as editor at large. But anyways, to, to go back to the TV shows, which at least for now uh, are, are a thing of the past, um, uh, you know, I always approach things from the print perspective. I, at, at, at you know, end of the day, I'm a print guy, uh, even though I've spent most of the last 14 years in uh, public television uh, and public affairs programming. And um, so I think it was both my uh, blessing and curse. Uh, the blessing was that I always prepared thoroughly. And believe me, as you no doubt know, and as I'm sure many of uh, the listeners right now can attest just from observation, there are many TV people who don't do that. And so I think that print background, I always prepped myself, and I thought that was a real strength. I, you know, uh, And nowadays, it's so easy to, to, Google, to Google things. Uh, you have to be sometimes wary of the source, but it's a great research tool. And so, um, you know, I always uh, knew something maybe interesting about someone that hadn't been much covered that I thought the uh, viewers would be interested in. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was able to follow up with an intelligent question if uh, uh, the answer that I was getting maybe, uh, you know, wasn't very satisfactory. Uh, and so I thought that was a strength. On the other hand, uh, I always had a fight against uh, making things a little too structured. And, uh, you know, when you over-prepare uh, and you're just simply, uh, you know, reading a list of questions and expecting answers, that's not a good thing either. And I think I got pretty good at letting the conversation go where it might. Uh, But that was something I had to guard against because, again, as a journalist, I wanted to structure everything. And as you know, on radio and television, things sometimes go in directions that you uh, don't expect. And that's actually good. uh, And that's the nature of the beast. Of course. Uh, But sometimes people do kind of go off off subject or onto tangents, and uh, I've seen you guide them back, saying, "Well, that's very interesting, but let's get back to whatever." Are there any tips that you have as 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 far as guidance is concerned? Well, you know, practice. Judge, it's practice. 
and, and I think you've gotten pretty good at it already. But yes, you're right. It, it, it's kind of like, it's, it, it's like riding a horse. You know, it's much different than writing a story. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, when, uh, whenever, either rightly or wrongly, I was done with a column or a story, I always felt like I had nailed it, that I had had the time. Maybe somebody had, an editor had, uh, you know, gone over it. Uh, you know, uh, unanswered questions either got answered or at least acknowledged. The whole thing was structured. You're taking a bunch of events and really shaping it and presenting it to a reader. And it was a finished product. And a uh, radio interview, uh, a TV show is, is a different creature. It's spontaneous. It's, it's happening in the moment. Uh, and uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you're not getting the answer you expected. And, uh, you know, that can, as, as you say, sometimes that's great. Sometimes uh, if a person's going off on a tangent, uh, uh, you, you just bring it back. You know, and you have to even be so rude as to interrupt. And I guess one of my tips would be don't be afraid to interrupt, uh, <laughs> you know, and say, well, that, that's great, um, but let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing you mentioned, Rick, is, is so important in society, not only in journalism, but for everybody, and that is to listen. It's almost a lost art from what I can tell. And it's a, it's kind of amazing or one of those things about language, but the same letters in listen are also in the word silent. And it's something a lot of commentators just do not do. They're, they're preparing their next question regardless of what their, their guest said to answer the, the past question. So listening is something that we should all focus upon a great deal more. Yes? I agree. And I had never heard that before. That's a good one. Listen and silent. That is, that you know, I'm surprised. Or, or again, I'm at that age now where maybe I did hear it one time, and uh, I've long, I've long forgotten it. But that, that is, that is so true. And the other thing that's happening today in media is not just uh, wanting to, uh, you know, ask that question, uh, uh, and uh, with a, oftentimes with a gotcha attitude about it. Uh, but also wanting to score points, making a point, scoring points, and uh, getting the gotcha question. And I think it's just destroying journalism. I think, well, let's get into the thing that is on really all of our minds, because we've all seen an appreciable amount of news in both the social media and the traditional media that really just is shown eventually not to be true. And I'm, again, a libertarian. I don't believe in government censorship under almost any circumstances. But how can we address this increasing problem? What can we do to start, again, relying upon or checking up on the facts, quote-unquote, that we're receiving from both the social media, which is a huge problem, as well as the traditional media? Have any thoughts for us, Rick? Because I'm baffled by this. I uh, well, I'm I'm baffled too, uh, and uh, uh, distressed by it. But you know what? In preparing for this uh, talk uh, with you today, uh, Judge, I've I've been reflecting on a lot of this, and actually, I don't think the problem. Uh, I think the problem is uh, addressable, largely solvable, and I don't think it's as uh, dire as uh, it's being made out to be, and I'll tell you why. Um, uh, first of all, 
let's talk about fake news. Let's define it. Uh, and there's really, to me, there, when people talk about fake news, they mean two different things. Traditionally, it's, it's basically hoaxes. It's things that people come up with, you know, a war of the worlds, uh, uh, which was, uh, I suppose, misinterpreted to be a hoax. I don't think they intended it to be a hoax. But, you know, there's been many stories over the years. I mean, going back to the days of yellow journalism and even before that, that uh, you had hoaxes, people that are making things up uh, either for the entertainment effect or for propaganda purposes. And that's as probably as old as uh, uh, communication, as old as news itself. There's been fake news, and so uh, I think what's happened. Uh, ironically, uh, you know, we probably thought we had recovered from the days of the, uh, you know, yellow journalists of the uh, early 1900s, late 1800s. Uh, but nowadays with social media, it's come back. And uh, I don't think, I, I think it's something that society is going to sort out. And I think the, the outright hoaxes, uh, you know, uh, can, can be dealt with. And, uh, you know, and let's, again, some of the old-fashioned hoaxes still go on. Just the other day, a, a comedian, uh, you know, uh, uh, got publicity claiming that he flew an airplane all by, or he was flown on an airplane all by himself when a flight was canceled. There was a hoax. Uh, and he was just trying to prove a point. And, you know, to me, that stuff's kind of benign, really. It's entertaining. Uh, it's funny. And we can all, you know, uh, survive it and get on with our lives. I think nowadays, when people talk about fake news, whether they're talking about fake news from a leftist standpoint or from a uh, right, uh, uh, from a right-leaning uh, standpoint, that what they really are talking about is slanted news and distorted news and twisted news, uh, especially by sources that uh, uh, you know have a certain uh, inst- uh, institutions that have in the past been trusted. The trust, trusted sources of news are slanting things, and certainly when Trump talks about uh, the, the um, uh, you know the fake news and the enemy of the people and all that, that's Trump going way beyond what uh, you know mo- most most people would say but he's striking a chord for all of the bluster and everything else it strikes a chord with people who feel the news has been twisted and you yourself uh, uh, Jim you, you said in your introduction you mentioned CNN and Fox and the two the two leading uh, you know broadcast news organizations I suppose you could throw MSNBC in there too but I mean, as far as cable news, uh, CNN and Fox, and half the country doesn't believe one or the other, and uh, with some justification. Uh, and so, to me, that is a bigger problem. It's the it's the uh, the the institutionalized, uh, the mainstream media, if you will, that is not adhering to journalistic principles. And I think that if journalists would go back to being journalists, playing it straight being fair, being accurate, providing analysis that the public can sort it out and the public can say, you know, they can go to those sources and we will figure out how uh, to um, deal with the hoaxes and the fake news that is just a creature of, uh, of, of the internet and social media. Well, Rick, I have a breaking bit of fake news to provide to you right now. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Lay it on me. I, I understand that a reporter was interviewing President Trump 
and he said, well, Mr. President, I understand that your name is Donald J. Trump. What does the J stand for? And the president responded, it stands for genius. <laughs> so that's that's a bunch of fake news. But okay, reason. now this is this is this is uh, yes, and uh, uh, okay. So uh, uh, and and Judge J. Gray or no, not just okay. Anyway, uh, fair enough. You know, for while I was growing up, we had the three main uh, stations: the, the media giants, uh, CBS, NBC, and ABC. And Walter Cronkite was the most trusted person in America, and he would give we would trust him to give us fair news. And uh, it, we've certainly gotten away from that. Uh, I I will say, Rick, that there's so many ways that we are polarized in our country today. And one of them, and I was really um, made a mistake on this when we eventually came out with all of these various cable TV stations, I thought, boy, that's going to be wonderful. We're all going to get a variety of news that we're going to get it from all perspectives. But what really happened is that one particular station would know what your particular vision is, your particular politics, and would cater to it. And so they would, in effect, you'd lock in with them, and it became us versus them a great deal more. And that's what we're seeing today. I don't know what to do about it. But but also, and you will agree with this, controversy sells. It sells pretty much everywhere. And if you can d- stir up the embers and make it controversial, you'll get a lot more readers and a lot more more listeners and, and viewers. Well, so know, they're, they're, they're doing that, saying, in fact, to, to make more money to sell and to be more popular. How, there's no way of getting around yes. that except to realize that's what's no, happening. No, and uh, you're, you're right, but, but that's the way it's always been. If it if it if it bleeds, it leads. Um, you know that's that's an old uh, that's an old saying. So so that that part of it, uh, uh, you know, is uh, is not new. And in some ways, there's nothing new under the sun when it when it uh, uh, comes to, uh, uh, to uh, when when it comes to this stuff. Uh, you know, uh, it's always there's always been an emphasis on uh, uh, the sensational. Uh, you know the the penny press and uh, uh, you know the 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 yellow the the yellow journalism uh, and actually in some ways what's happened with this uh, this uh, uh, polarization that that you mention and uh, the way that uh, you know the different media sources are catering catering to their customers that's very much the way uh, journalism was when our nation was founded. Uh, you know, you didn't have these objective journalists. You had uh, pamphleteers, people pushing a viewpoint. And uh, I think the founding fathers, in their wisdom, uh, felt that if you exposed people to all these, or if people were exposed to these viewpoints, uh, because these viewpoints were allowed to be expressed, that you'd have more informed citizenry. And I think nowadays, I think most people navigate this. Uh, if they go to Fox, uh, it's because they want to. If they go to CNN, it, it's because they want to. But when they're listening, even if they're a uh, Fox viewer watching CNN, they, uh, you know, in other words, they'll pick up something. They'll they'll say, okay, I know they're coming from from this standpoint, but if I hear what this person says and then what this other side says, I can sort of sort it out. And it's a little maddening at times. Uh, other times, it's very amusing. Uh, you know, I, I'm I, I'm I'm in my health club, and there's actually in in the in the health club I go to, Jim, this shows you the um, uh, 
uh, what, what's uh, the polarization in this country. They have to have one of the screens devoted to Fox. It's labeled for Fox. The other one is labeled for CNN. You can't change a channel because 70-somethings were, were coming to blows over, uh, you know, who was, uh, which station they were going to watch. And sometimes it's hilarious to see them reporting on the same story. <laughs> and you yes. just see the headlines there flashing on the screen. <laughs> and in fact, it is. They get the names correct, but otherwise everything else is different. When, when it comes down to it, we're going to take a break just in a moment, but it really depends upon us as the voters, the citizens, the, the caring people of the world. Uh, skept, honest skepticism is always a good thing. Look at what the source is of your information. Whenever I read an article in the paper, the first thing I do is look at who's writing it. What is the bias? Where, what is their background? And When I talk with with uh, law groups, uh, law students, etc. I tell them, you know, I'm going to give you the answer for every question that you're going to hear in the law. And the answer is, it depends. So look at it, look at the situation, be a bit skeptical uh, in before you just automatically believe anything you hear from any source. So we're going to continue this discussion and get in rolling up our sleeves into journalism and the future of it, as well as how we can deal with a lot of this fake news right after these messages from All Rise. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Libertarian Party is the third largest political party in the United States, and it's more successful than ever. We don't just talk the talk of individual liberty and free markets. We also walk the walk. Libertarian Party candidates are getting elected to office across the United States, and we are making a difference. The Libertarian Party is also the only third party that routinely has ballot access in every state. Our achievements and influence grow every year, and you can be part of that success. You can register as a Libertarian Party voter in your state to help us achieve easier ballot access. You can also visit lp.org today to become a member of the Libertarian Party, no matter which party you register with. Join the Libertarian Party today at lp.org. Together, we can move mountains. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are listening to All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray. To find out more about Judge Gray, visit JudgeJimGray.com. That's JudgeJimGray.com. Now, back to All Rise. Well, welcome back with us on All Rise. The idea being that if we employ libertarian values, approaches, responsibility, live and let live, the free enterprise system, of course, governed by by reasonable regulations. We will all rise together. And another thing I'd like to share with Rick Reef, my guest, as well as the rest of you listeners, if you have not gotten to the website, www.isidewith.com, 
com, the letter I-S-I-D-E-W-I-T-H.com, and see where you fit on the political spectrum. You know, I think you'll be interested in the results. But I can also say that my wife has teased me into making sure that we're bringing in at least some silliness into the show. So, Rick Reef, I'm going to ask you a question that I actually don't expect you'll have the answer to, but what is the difference between a raven and a crow? We always see these black birds around, but what's the difference between a raven and a crow? And the answer is that a raven will have five pinion feathers in its tail, and a crow will only have four pinion feathers in its tail. So the difference between a raven and a crow is a matter of opinion. With that, all right, I I knew you were going to be excited about that, but I can also kind of lead back into how the mainstream media is letting us down. They're they're giving us some false narratives, and I read a book a long time ago about Harry Luce, who began Time Magazine, and when he was in college, he was a journalism major running the college uh, newspaper, and he created a controversy. He created dissension because he actually ghost wrote uh, an editorial from a dormy, somebody that lived in the dorm, criticizing the Greek system, the sororities, sororities and fraternities. And then he created a fraternity fellow who wrote another letter to the editor in response. And boy, he got all kinds of listenership and people were writing in, claiming, chiming in and stuff. It was totally concocted, but it worked. And of course, you know, and we do he understand. He would have been right at home today. He would have been yeah. right at home today. <laughs> uh, he's, he's just really happy. So, so what do we as the public, I see the mainstream media letting us down. You say, okay, let's give us facts instead of opinions. Or when you're giving opinions, at least label it that way. Most newspapers at least try to do that. But, but what is your view as to my maybe radical comment that the mainstream media is letting us down and they're giving us false narratives? Uh, what is your take on that? Well, you're 100% correct, Jim, and uh, as one who has been in the media for his entire life uh, and, uh, you know, has observed this from the inside as well as being a, you know, observer on the outside, uh, that is the big, sh- uh, that is the abdication to me of the, uh, of the journalism profession. And uh, uh, the tragedy of it is that with this rise of social media and the increasing fake news that we've been discussing, all of the noise, the misdirection, the, uh, uh, the you know the trickery and everything else that that's, that goes on, uh, there is a need in in the uh, among the public for uh, for journalism and and for the principles, the traditional principles of journalism, which I'll summarize as uh, accuracy, fairness, and analysis. I'm not big, I mean, labeling it opinion and that kind of stuff. I've always been against unsigned editorials. Uh, Every every newspaper I've run, I've always signed the editorials in my name or the name of uh, uh, whoever wrote the opinion piece on staff or the collaboration or whatever, because I think unsigned editorials are very pompous and it's, uh, you know, it's like the voice of God. And no, no, we're not God. We're people. So let's put our name on uh, on uh, on our opinion. But what I do think, uh, but I think, because I think people want analysis. People are busy in their lives, and they don't have this idea that we're just going to give them facts. Uh, 
No, because then you get into the lazy he said, she said stuff. And if, as someone who's an informed observer on something, you know that this argument has more weight than that argument. Granted, it's a judgment call, and that's where you should be honest about your own biases. But you make an honest judgment as to what is more important. Let's take an extreme example. Hitler invades Poland, and he invades because, you know, uh, uh, you know, the the poles have encroached on the land or something. You know, well, you give that, uh, you know, you don't give that equal weight to the fact that tanks just rolled in and, uh, you know, destroyed villages and things. So, so I, I, that was an extreme example, but the point is not all comments, not all facts have the same weight. And, and that's, people expect that from journalists. They may say they don't. They may say we just want the facts, but they really want an intelligent analysis of what's happening. So I think that's important. And you don't get that in social media. You get the, you get the, you know, the, 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 the 20-word zinger, uh, you know, the emotional appeal. So that's where a journalist comes in with a thoughtful analysis of what's happening. I think people want that, and that's something journalists can uniquely deliver. Uh, but people want accuracy, and so often journalists fall down on that nowadays. They want accurate. Let's not even worry about spelling and grammar, which is almost a lost art, but they at least want accuracy. And finally, I think that what they want, people want fairness. I can read the New York Times, and I have great respect for the journalists of the New York Times. I know the paper has a left lean, a left tilt, but when I pick it up, maybe I'm being naive. I still have a sense that, for the most part, the people working there, uh, even though I know most of them, you know, 95% of them voted for Hillary or whatever, that, that they're trying as professionals to give me a fair rendition of what's going on. Same with the Wall Street Journal, for example. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I can pick those up and sometimes I'll spot a bias or something, but I know that overall they're doing their best. They're, they're trying, you know, and very seldom when you're watching cable, do you get that same sense? Uh, and so, uh, I, I think that the problem then is that the mainstream journalists are falling into this trap where they're almost, uh, first of all, they follow politicians way too much and they let politicians drive the agenda of what they're going to report because they're all caught up with the horse race. And as you suggested earlier, it sells, it's controversy. So it sells, uh, uh, and and but then they fall into this social media trap where they're actually just parroting what's going on in social media, and that's where they fall victims to hoaxes and to you know the slanted reporting. And I wish they would just go back to being journalists and trying to be accurate, be fair, and give analysis. And I think it would solve some of the problems that journalism is having, and it would certainly serve the public. Well, Rick Reef, uh, and again, thank you for being my guest, and you are a, an experienced man of integrity in the media, but thank I you for using have the word seen... experience as opposed to old, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> uh, that's, that's right. That's right. You know, I, I can tell you that judges have, we're supposed to, good judges are supposed to have three criteria, fit three needs. One is gray hair to show that they've been around the block. The other is wrinkles to show wisdom. And the third is hemorrhoids to show that look of concern. Now, I didn't mention that as journalists, but that's kind of where we, where we find ourselves as judges. But, you know, frequently when someone gives a speech, some politician or otherwise, I'll read in the newspaper or, uh, that, uh, okay, fact-checking. So we checked this fact and he's pretty close to right. 
this fact and she's off Belgians, whatever. But how do we know if somebody is not in effect pirated the fact checkers? Uh, there's there's some group of people, but how do you know that that could not be hijacked? So I, I'm not well, sure. Well, there about are, that. As, as you're probably aware, there's complaints about that. And, uh, uh, you know, you have to snope Snopes. <laughs> you know, yes. Snopes is a site that I go to frequently when, when, when I want to know. Uh, for instance, when I first heard that the shooter in Dayton, uh, I, I saw, and I think it was from a, uh, Frank, I, you know, because I go to all sorts of sites. I go to left wing, right wing, and everything. I think it was on Breitbart, maybe, that I first saw, which is a right wing site, that uh, this Dayton shooter was an Elizabeth Warren supporter. And right away, my radar went up, and I said, well, wait a second. Okay, before, but before uh, uh, you, you know, I start, you know, mouthing this or assuming this, uh, does Snopes say anything? So I went to Snopes, and by golly, Snopes said, yep, yes, indeed. <laughs> you know, and so it gave it, you know, again, could they have been misleading me? Could Breitbart have been misleading me? Yes, but the chances are if, 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 the, if the fact checker site and and uh, you know another site said it. it, it it's it, it's probably true, and, it, and indeed, it, and in, indeed it is. And so it showed that while uh, you know uh, certainly white nationalists uh, uh, you know have more than their share of these shooters, uh, that the shooters are nuts uh, of every variety. And uh, so anyway, but but then some people complain uh, that that Snopes, uh, even Snopes, you know, will lean left or whatever, or politifact, uh, you know, and. I guess uh, that, in some ways, is both the maddening uh, and yet also the the redemptive value of of the uh, of the media world we're in now. That you can have fact checkers on the fact checkers, and uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I think overall the fact checking. Uh, is a good thing, uh, but w- as with anything nowadays, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Well, and of course, but I take comfort, Rick, in the free enterprise system. We, as the people, the customers, and if we're going to determine that our media source is simply giving us untruths, uh, they're going to lose credibility, which means they're going to lose customers. So we do have that, at least as a fallback position, and and hooray for that. Uh, I can tell you my understanding is that, of course, Russia went into Afghanistan, cheer up, I'll tie this in, that the Russian government was feeding false information to its people, and then when the soldiers started coming home from Afghanistan, it was abundantly clear that they'd been lied to, and that was really one of the fundamental reasons why the Soviet Union uh, fell, uh, because eventually the people, if they find out, will will turn on the people, that uh, those that they feel have been misleading them. So I, I take that as a hope, and when basically it comes down to us. You can go back to Thomas Jefferson, who kept saying, you know, it takes eternal vigilance to support a democracy and support freedom. And so ultimately, I think that's where we are, but it's in some ways kind of a slim read to lay on as well. Yeah. You know, we, we've been talking a lot here in kind of broad strokes. There is something we, we talked about maybe bringing into the conversation, so let's do it. And it's an example. Uh, I think it's a really stark example of how the uh, the mainstream media has been letting the public down. And we talked about false narratives uh, and without really saying what some of the false narratives are. But, um, uh, you know, uh, one of the drivers, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, is hatred of Trump. And I don't think either one of us is a strong supporter of Donald Trump. But uh, this 
hatred can sometimes color the media to the extent that they abandon their own principles. And I don't think there's a better example of that than the controversy involving Covington Catholic, those uh, young, uh, young men who were in Washington, uh, I think it was for an anti-abortion rally, if I recall, and they were wearing the red Trump MAGA caps. And whereas no journalist would jump to an assumption if they saw someone, let's say, in a hijab or a hoodie, these kids uh, suddenly uh, became uh, targets of all sorts of assumptions. So as uh, listeners probably know, there was that uh, Indian elder banging his drum, and there was the, a, uh, a, a talk about fake news, a highly edited, very selective, very misleading uh, video that was posted on social media that seemed to show uh, or uh, suggested that these kids, uh, these, you know, these uh, are rude, privileged, uh, you know, Catholic uh, school kids, uh, Trump supporters were harassing this uh, Indian elder. And of course, as most people know, uh, further revelations of the full video and uh, other accounts showed that this was totally bogus, or practically totally bogus, that in fact, uh, if anybody, uh, if anyone was an aggrieved party, it was these, uh, these kids who actually deported themselves quite well on, under the circumstances. Uh, and yet, I have yet to hear from any, uh, well, I should say there was an isolated columnist or two who would come out and said, we blew it, we're sorry, we jumped to conclusions, but um, uh, the, the New York Times, for example, while walking it back, everybody kind of walked it back. Not everybody, but most folks walked back their initial assumptions about what had happened. Never an apology, never an outright admission of what uh, you know would be would have been the decent things to do, which is just to say, folks, we blew it. We fell yes. for a hoax. We misled the public. But no, no, it was in fact. A classic that I want to share because I, I was researching this to see how the press handled this. The New Yorker, a few days after this, wrote what must have been like a 2,000 word article explaining what went on, you know, and, and it, it ends with this hand wringing conclusion. We may need to change the way we think. Instead of seeing virality or virality as a genuine signifier of newsworthiness, we need to see it for what it is, a product. Covington is the kind of product our social media platforms sell to us. Perhaps we should be warrior consumers. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, really? Really? So the, 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 uh, the New Yorker decides we need to be warrior consumers. How about warrior journalists? How about, you know, and the New York Times did the same thing. Oh, maybe we have to be more careful about what we report from social media. It's like, duh. I mean, you, you have to, you, you've just come to this uh, conclusion that you have to be worried about what's on social media. No, the truth is you allowed your prejudice to color what you reported and to try to blame it on social media or consumers. No, you blame it on yourself. You're the journalist, you know better, and you allowed your prejudice to come in and color a narrative. Well, of course, we're also seeing something that's just a game changer, and that is with President Trump being able to go over the heads of the media with his tweets. And we've never seen something like that before. So he is kind of controlling the discussion he did in the election. He is still, and he probably will continue to do. It's just a phenomenon that uh, uh, we're, a lot of people are just uh, falling for, and so are the media. 
Well, you know what, though? I, think, I, I don't think that's a problem. And it's not just, I mean, Trump, Trump does it more outlandishly, outrageously, and uh, probably effectively than anybody else. But uh, anybody can do that. Uh, I mean, I- individuals can do that now. And to me, that's the, you know, there's an upside and downside to what's going on. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, the genie's out of the bottle, and we now have a different situation. And the downside is everything we've been talking about, Jim, uh, yep. you know, the... Uh, the, the fake news and all that. On the other hand, it's very empowering, and individuals have much more, uh, 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 many more choices, uh, many more ways of expressing themselves, uh, many more viewpoints are being heard. And so while we no longer have Walter Cronkite, we no longer have that. I hear it all the time from people. Gosh, we're not on the same page anymore. It used to be that we had the three networks and, you know, our three, our two, three, four, depending on how big our community was, daily newspapers. And everybody kind of saw the same thing. We all watched the moon landing. We all, you know, we, uh, uh, and we watched the same stories every night and that that was good. Well, it was good uh, unless your story wasn't being covered. And now, now you know, uh, all of the stories, maybe what the mainstream media thinks is important um, isn't what somebody else thinks is important. And different viewpoints uh, can have their say. Uh, the, the, way I, the way I say it is that the role of the gatekeeper, it used to be, that uh, the mainstream media was, for all practical purposes, the gatekeeper of what the public heard, and the way they presented the news very strongly formed the opinions of the public. Uh, the gatekeepers now, they still exist, but they're only a part of it. Uh, there really isn't any gate anymore. People can run through the gate, they can go around the gate. And so while the mainstream media still has uh, impact, it's not what it used to be. And I think in many ways, maybe in most ways, that's a good thing. The bad thing is we don't seem to have the rules anymore. We don't have the fairness, the accuracy, the, uh, uh, the context. And I think that, you know, again, Journalism should strive to, uh, to uh, you know, revive those principles or keep them going. Uh, but overall, uh, I'm not sure it's a bad thing. And while, you know, uh, we, can, uh, we can debate forever whether Trump is a good thing or not, the idea that a politician or an individual uh, or a crusader of some sort can, uh, you know, go around the traditional uh, gatekeepers to make their point, I think that's a good thing. Well, it's certainly a, a revolution that we almost instantaneously can go to Snopes or get some fact-checking. And, and it's when it comes down to it, just like Thomas Jefferson and others have said, Rick, it's up to us. We are the consumers. We are the voters. As I tell people, it's kind of discouraging, but we are the people. And if the government isn't working, it's, it's our fault. We have no one else to blame but ourselves. So it takes individual involvement. So Rick Reef, a veteran journalism or journalist, what is the future of the local daily journalism? Where, where do we go from here? What do you see? Well, as, as, as you know, right now, uh, there's a real crisis in uh, local daily journalism. And I think the way it's going to get sorted out, 
as a business, as a viable business, uh, it, it largely doesn't work anymore. And that's why we're seeing paper shrink. We're seeing costs being cut. We're seeing the uh, vulture capitalists, if you will, these private uh, equity firms coming in. They're painted as the bad guys, and what they're doing isn't good for journalism, but that's, what, that's who they are, and they are the symptom. They're not the, the problem. The problem is a dying industry that nobody else wants to invest in. Uh, so I think, though, the future, I think there's enough people who want those things we talked about, who want accuracy, who want fairness, who want perspective, and they also want to know what's going on in their communities. I think there is a demand for it. It's not enough, unfortunately, to um, uh, be highly profitable or to be attractive as a business investment. But I think because there's enough desire in the public and enough need for it that here's what I think is going to happen. Patrons of journalism. I think you're going to hear this term more. And a patron of journalism is either a billionaire, and we've seen some of them. We've seen Jeff Bezos at the Washington Post, uh, Sun Shong at the Los Angeles Times, and others uh, who are wealthy people who buy the, the local paper. And uh, they do it for the same reason a rich guy uh, or a rich gal buys a baseball team or, you know, uh, or, 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 or an island, you know, because they can and they want to. And in, uh, it, it's kind of getting back to the old days of, you know, the, the rich publisher who, uh, you know, uh, was a crusader. And so he owned the newspaper and uh, didn't necessarily run it like much of a business. But, uh, you know, that that's and there's a rich history of that in journalism. So I think we're going to see more of that. We're going to see wealthy individuals who, uh, whether motivated by ego or uh, a sense of public duty or both, are going to buy publications. We'll also see a model of the nonprofit, and uh, we're going to see foundations uh, and uh, 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 groups, uh, citizen uh, citizen groups, uh, 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 start nonprofits that will own papers, and the local newspaper will be much like the local opera company or theater group or symphony, and it'll just be one of those public trusts that are operated because uh, people feel it's an important thing for the community but I, I think uh, I think that's where it's going and I think and it'll be a lot less print there'll be a lot less print it'll be online and maybe you'll have a, a, a something in your hand once or twice a week well Rick I think that I what from my perspective I see our local newspapers focusing a great deal more upon local news you know high school sports uh, the, the social media isn't going to cover that uh, getting into investigative stories uh, they actually have stories quote unquote about local restaurants I'm convinced that somehow they're paid advertising but but they're going I see that as kind of what it's going almost in in effect to a magazine type of idea as well on investigations here is behind the news instead of just the breaking news because younger people don't look at newspapers anymore uh, I still like to curl up with my little dog in the morning and read what we call the old newspaper while I have my cup of tea but uh, that's my wife doesn't do that anymore and Certainly none of my children do, so it's a dying industry, but it will be, I think, focus a great deal more upon investigative kind of interpretation stories and just high school local news. Does that make Absolutely. sense to you? And those things are, yes, people want those things, and that's where I think the future is. Uh, you know, uh, but, but just think, I mean, if you had 
so much now it, when uh, you know when you get these local stories on council meetings, uh, the person has no the reporter is a young person who has no idea of the perspective the the, the context of what 's going on. People are yelling at each other and there 's no explanation to you as a reader as to why it 's going on. Imagine if you just had you know one seasoned reporter sitting at the at the city council meeting who could explain what 's going on what a, what a great service that is for a community. Sure. Well, so to recap, media is critically important, particularly in a democracy where it's our government. We need to get accurate news. We have to be selective. We have to have a, a sense of, of, of not immediately receiving without question the information we're getting from any source. In fact, I'll tell you, Rick, one of my real triumphs in parenting, one time I was driving my three children down south uh, on uh, Highway 5, and we went by what is a strawberry field, and it had a bunch of plastic on there. I guess it keeps the the water in and, and the rest for growing strawberries. And I looked at them and said, look, kids, this is where they raise plastic. My kids, oh, really, Daddy? Oh, really? And then I just kept quiet. And about five miles down the road, one of my kids said, oh, come on, Dad. You know, and I taught them to not to trust the source or to look at the source, regardless of whether they trusted it or not, and, and be discerning. And so we all need to do that. Uh, so that, that's kind of what we're left with. It's up to us. It's up to us in education. Uh, and uh, I still think that Rick Reef won that Pulitzer Prize all by himself, but uh, I'll, I'll let that one go for the moment. But he is a really good man, a really good golfer, too, by the way. And I expect that you're cutting back a little and staying out from underfoot from your wife, Marianne, by getting out on the golf course. But, but well, Rick, the problem thank is that she, uh, uh, Marianne has a very uh, uh, prestigious corporate uh, uh, board uh, 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 assignment, and so she's, uh, that keeps her busy 25% of the time, but the rest of the time she can actually come out and golf with me, and uh, she, uh, she, she's better than I am, Jim, so it's not, you know, it's, it's not all good in retirement. Well, actually, Rick... I- most of us only use you to get to Marianne anyway, but we'll let that go for the moment. But I do want to thank you for sharing your insights, your thoughts with us. Uh, we, we really require to have good news or accurate news uh, that we can rely upon, but there will always be people out there that are trying to churn it for their own reasons, either intentionally or, or, or not intentionally, but one way or the other. It's up to us. And if we're going to all rise together, we've got to stop confronting our, each other so much and making it us versus them, but, but put in that more listening, more understanding, more at least compassion, uh, and uh, not just jump off the, the, the cliff every time we hear that something bad is happening. Because there's, there's the other thing, too, where if something bad happens in Madagascar, we're so instantaneously reporting it that it's, it's almost like it's next door. So we, we just need to keep a perspective about that. We're making progress. I am not one of those doomsday folks that thinks that we're going to just side off into oblivion, but it's up to us. Be educated, be discerning, be skeptical, and be realistic, and then go on about your business. So that's kind of where we live with regard to fake news, 
uh, accuracy in journalism and the rest, accuracy in government, it all comes down to us. And we can do this, we're continuing to do this, and I'm convinced that we will continue in the future. So thank you for listening again to us as we grapple with the, with the local important issues of the time. If we do that, we will be able to all rise together, like I said. And so tune in next week again when we'll have another interesting guest like we did today with Rick Reef. And in the meantime, this is Judge Jim Gray saying thank you and life is good. Thanks for listening today. All Rise, the Libertarian Way with retired Judge Jim Gray can be heard every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We know you'll want to join us again next week and tell your friends that help is on the way. Strengthen my thoughts that help us control.